The Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 12, Blogging with Stacy Dallas Johnston. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. All right, hey Ben, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We are on location. We are somewhere. We're together, first of all. Yes. We are at uh, Seven Troughs Speakeasy, not the distillery, which is also amazing. But we are at Seven Troughs Speakeasy in the basement downtown Reno. Yes, this is my first time here. This is a this is a really neat place and. Uh, I'm really glad that we're here yeah. and getting to talk a little bit. Yeah. So. so that's why there's a little bit of noise and stuff, and we're sampling some beers now. They they do, so Tom, the owner, he does some amazing whiskey, gin, rum, um, vodka, vodka. Uh, there's, yeah, he does some amazing stuff, but he also has some beers on tap. And so we're sampling some of those. And he gave us a really good yes. one, and that's what we're going to feature here tonight. Yes. So I had made a comment to him that a couple of his beers on tap were from Woody's Brewing up in Redding, California, not far from where my parents live. And he goes, wait, you know Woody's? And I said, yeah, my parents live up there. He goes, well, I got something special then. And he busted out a collaboration with Seven Troughs and Woody's that yeah. is a bourbon barrel aged winter warmer ale. And it is 11.2%, but does not drink like 11.2% no, 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 at no. all. No, we do have small glasses, let's be clear. I do not have a pint glass of this. Because no, it's not a pint glass. Absolutely not. So, But you're talking about a lot of molasses and toffee and caramel. And yep. then you get a touch of those winter spices like your cinnamon and your nutmeg. And then there's a back-end touch of bourbon because he was telling us that they... They made the beer out of leftover whiskey mash. Then they aged the beer in one of his barrels for a year afterward. Yeah. And it turned out pretty good. It's amazing. Good. It's an amazing beer. I don't Just rate too many beers on Untapped as a five. Yeah. This one got a five. I got really close to a five. So it is, it is super good. So we probably should introduce... The person that's with us. Yes, we we do have a guest, and yeah. all three of us are together. We're not yes. even doing video chat with this one here. So we're going to introduce to you right now, Stacy Dallas Johnston from Las Vegas. Yes. Stacy, how you doing? Hi guys, good, hey. thank you. So you are in Reno. You're up here for work. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for work, and then we'll talk a little bit about what beer you got. Yeah. All right, so um, I've been in the classroom for almost two decades, and I took a year off to um, amplify teacher voice in our state. So I'm kind of the um, teacher wrangler that gets a lot of other teachers to come to um, testify, to come to different meetings, to join committees, to uh, share their stories from the classroom, especially with those making policy decisions. So early tomorrow morning, I'm picking up a whole entire van full, and we're headed up to Carson City to talk to our legislature. You will be down the street from me, so, and that's if the roads are good enough, because, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The, the snow came down pretty good this weekend. I don't, I don't anticipate a snow day, but, you know, it may happen. Who knows? So, you know, stranger, we're, you're in the north now. 
well, we're in the north, so and um, I, I assume you brought your flip flops. I did, and um, I'll be wearing them while I drive a 13 passenger van through ice and snow. I cannot wait. I told my teachers it's all for one and one for all. If one of us goes down, we're all going. So hopefully we'll make it to Carson City. And all joking aside, there are definitely some areas of the road where um, it could be um, all for one going down the side of the hill. (laughs) We're going to do our best. That's true. So um, you showed up here in Reno, and you picked up one of the local Reno beers. So which one do you have here? It is a Stonyhead Brewing Honey Pale Ale. And at 4.5% ABV, no IBU listed, but how is it? It's pretty good. Actually, I was really disappointed that they had tapped out of the porter. Um, So this was my second choice, but good nonetheless. I also asked for the porter (laughs) when I first got here, and then I started talking to Tom, the owner, and he introduced us to this winter ale. So all is forgiven at this point. Okay. But um, so you are also a very avid blogger, and Ben and I both right. are bloggers as well as you guys are way ahead of me. So we we'll, very let's true. Let's just be truthful here. So, but um, and if you're interested in finding any of our blogs out there, me is AndersonEdTech.net. Follow me on Twitter at AndersonEdTech. Ben and mine is uh, at bdixonenv at wordpress.com. So, and you have a blog as well, if you'd like to share. Yeah, I usually share it out through Twitter as well, at um, SJTeaches, and you can find me on Medium under S. Johnston. Very nice. So, so what got you into blogging in the first place? You've been doing it for a while, but what really kind of like sparked you into getting into blogging in the first place? So, um, back in 2016, I had a really awesome opportunity to work in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Department of Education. Um, I was the first teacher in Nevada to represent at the um, program that they have called the Teaching Ambassador Fellowship. So, one of the roles I played while I was there is I kind of found a niche in uh, working for their newsletter. They have one called the Teacher's Edition, and then they also have a student-facing one. And so, I was curating and working for those and filling in uh, holes, you know, when we didn't have enough stuff. And so, um, I had some of my stories that I told from the classroom featured on that blog, and um, that got some attention from other people because they have a readership of about 10,000. Um, so some people would reach out and say, oh, hey, I read your blog. Would you be interested in? And so I did a guest blog for NCTE and a um, few other organizations. And then it kind of made me think, like, guest blogging is really cool. So I started um, actually reaching out to people and saying, hey, I'd really love to write for your publication. And, you know, next thing you know, I've got a handful of them circulating out there on um, different platforms. Um, that took me a while, though, a couple of years to get the courage, I think, to do my own. Yeah, it definitely, you know, there there is that curve of, like, who really wants to read what I or listen to what I have to say. So, yeah, getting that first one out definitely is tough. Yeah. So um, I, I can definitely vouch for that. So, you know, all jokes aside, uh, my first blog was on MySpace. And I actually featured that in a recent <laughs> blog post, my 100th blog post, actually. So, But that first blog was on MySpace, and that was a long time ago. And it's probably a blessing and a curse that I can't see those old <laughs> blogs now because that, that MySpace kind of is long gone. But um, when I finally, when I wanted to get back to it, it just, it, it did take a moment to take the plunge again. Right. But now that I've done it for the last three years and 100 posts later, I'm, I'm really happy I took that plunge. So... Now, when you started up, you, you said you guest blogged a lot, mm-hmm. but like when you started up your regular blog, the one that you, you're doing on Medium, mm-hmm. what was the decision behind like what, like 
where did you want to go with right. that one? Like, was it going to be more of like just straight professional? Like, what made you decide how you want to go with that one? Okay, so it's kind of like a, a tangled web to get there. So um, I have this really good friend that I met through the Southern Nevada Writing Project, okay. which is an institute that uh, they hold through UNLV. There's a Northern Nevada Writing Project as well. Right. They're all over the country. And uh, we got to know each other through what they call the Summer Institute, and I did a lot of writing through that. And then her and I started doing some work together, um, especially when she started her PhD program. And she, I was one of her subjects when she was writing a section on kind of like teacher voice and amplifying teacher voice. And one day at a brainstorming session, I said, you know what I want to do? I, I want to tell stories about teachers. I want to tell the good stories because every time you read stuff about education online, it's always something creepy or something right. negative. Oh, and, sure, sure. you know, there's not all these good things. Or when a good thing happens, it's viral because it's like the only time a teacher ever did something awesome for a kid. Um, so I just thought somebody's got to tell this story. And that's where I came up with the concept of this teacher's journey. Um, I wrote nothing, but I at least knew that someday I was going to launch it. And um, it took me again about a year and a half to, to put it to paper. So the first time I used Blogger just through my right. Google and um, I typed up the first blog and I let it sit for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I read it again and edited it and read it again and erased it and read it again and read it again. And I remember pushing um, publish probably about 1130 one night and uh, instantly being anxious and thinking, oh my goodness, it's, somebody's going to read this. And they're going to tell me it's terrible and tell me like, be quiet, who cares? And I honestly remember waking up the next morning, like checking it really quick to see like if anybody read it and nobody did. And I was actually really, really relieved. Oh, like, oh, thank God. Um, so I started on Blogger for a little bit, just getting the courage to get it out there. Um, and then I just kind of, you know, took baby steps from there to put it on a bigger platform. Wow. That's, yeah, I think... I think what you're describing is, I think, what a lot of people... I know for me, it was the same kind of thing. It was the same, like, I don't know if anybody's going to read this. And you write something, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Well, and I look back at my older posts, and I'm not in it for the page views or no. the downloads or whatever, you know I mean? If I write something and it gets 500 views, right. awesome. If I write something and it gets 100 views, whatever. Right. I look back at those early ones, and... I'll go back and reread them sometimes, and I mean, I, I still feel that it's pretty decent writing, right? But it just never got the views and whatever. And again, it's not about the views, but right. you know, now it's like when I write something again, not about the views, but now I'm actually disappointed when it's not getting some of the views. Right? I'm like, okay, so did I write about something people don't care about, right? Or did I just write something that's just not that good this time around? Like, right. you know, you talked about having one where. Your first one, where you wrote it and then sat on it for weeks on right. end before you finally published it. I wrote one. I published it a while back, a couple months ago now. I sat on that sucker for six months, you know, tweaking it, trying right. to make it sound because it was kind of a controversial topic, and I wanted to, I didn't want to offend anybody because I'm not one. I don't want to stir up controversy. Right. I, I want to be provocative at times. But I didn't want to like offend people, so I sat on that thing for six months. I finally hit publish, and it's like my least read one of the last two and a half years. <laughs> Good instinct. And, yeah. And I, well, and, and I think that you never know, and I don't know if you've had, if you've experienced that. See, I mean, like, like you'll think something's great, and it won't get any, mm -hmm. it won't get any traction, and then other stuff that I'm like, I don't know. In my case, where I'm like, oh, not my best stuff, 
I wrote it really fast, and I like, and I am classic for not rereading. So you know, that's that's my ADHD. <laughs> Hit publish. I'm like, oh, I spelled 17 things wrong. But I mean, do you see that too? Um, as far as... I think what I've learned is that sometimes it's about the right thing at the right time for okay. other people. Right. You may not think it's your best, but it's the right message at the right time for somebody else. Right. And that's why people are, are interested in it or reading it. You know what I mean? It right. just speaks to someone at a moment where it just takes off, even if right. it's not your best writing. So do you feel do you feel more pressure when you have to write something for someone else's blog than for your own? Hmm. Um, no, actually, I don't okay. think so. I, I usually can write the guest pieces with a lot less stress than I write my own. And I think oh. because... The ones that I publish are like my own creation from my own brand, right. from my right. own space. Okay. Um, and I have to come up with the topic, you know, right. otherwise someone say, hey, will you write about, you know, doing this thing or, you know, using this method or whatever? I'm like, yeah, sure, I can talk about that. But when I have to kind of come up with something fresh and new and tell the story in a right way and still give it like the dignity it deserves, especially if it's something that I experienced, I get a little stressed out about that. So those are the ones I usually right. think about a long time. I agree because I've I've written a handful of guest blogs myself. In fact, I wrote one for you mm -hmm. here about six months ago, yep. and you asked me to do it. And the others that have asked me to do it, I, I've had a couple where it's just like you know, just write whatever you want, and right. then a couple like I want you to write about this. And you're right. To me, it felt more like you know a directive from like a spirit or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like this needs to get done. Just do it. <laughs> so right. I just um. I just wrote, but like like you said, a lot of times I'll sit down and start to write my ones, and don't get me wrong, there's ones I've cranked out 15 minutes, and mm -hmm. just, I've gotten the idea down, and just boom, done, you know, and like my biggest concern with that one is, which goofy meme or gif am I going to throw <laughs> into it, but then there's the ones that, you know, you legitimately stress about, okay, right. example, the one that I wrote that took me six months to publish. Right, mm -hmm. right, okay, so, yeah, I, I think... That's interesting because because I actually feel more stress if someone asks me to write something for them because I think mine and we all have different styles. Mm -hmm. I think if people read our blogs, they're all very different. Whereas mine is more stream of consciousness, and so I'm just like I'm just putting something down. But mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know. I feel like more stressed when someone has like they're like you need to do this. And also, I'm probably not the best with deadlines. <laughs> That's also an issue. So is that the ADHD kicking in? Yeah, maybe. Sometimes. Maybe. Just a bit. So, but I almost feel like sometimes um, when someone tells me it needs to be done at that time, like that just makes me get it done earlier because <laughs> I don't want to stress out. Whereas yeah. you clearly are the opposite. Yes, I am. So, you know, and hence why sometimes we don't kick one of these out in three that weeks. That is because true. We, we, yes, one of us yeah, gets sidetracked. Well, I was telling Ben earlier, that's why I have probably five blogs that are started yes. somewhere in you know, my documents where I've like come up with an idea and I've gotten a few lines out and I thought, ah, okay. Cool. And then there's a bunch of those because it's mine. I can take my time. I don't have to say, Oh, Kyle asked me to write this and he wants to publish it next week. You know? So right. there's no sense of urgency sometimes when it's your own stuff. I do that too, because I'm afraid of losing ideas sometimes mm -hmm. yeah. where I will, I'll open up a post. I will title it mm -hmm. and right. I'll write the first couple lines. And even if I, if I don't write the lines, I'll at least just write down a couple things of the idea right. just so I can come back to it because yeah. There, there's been plenty of times where I've been out running errands or something. I'm in the middle of the grocery store. Oh, great blog idea. <laughs> right. I'll open it up real quick. And if I can't open the blogging site, I'll at least do a Google Keynote right. or something. Okay. You know, blogging idea. I've actually got one in there. It's not a blog idea. It's more of like a branding kind of thing right now. Okay. That 
I, I haven't done anything else with it yet, but um, I, I just wrote in Google Keep, heavy metal teacher. Ooh. I, I got this idea about incorporating metal into teaching. So I might do a blog with it. I might do something else with it. But that was just an idea. That one I was actually driving home from work one day, and I opened up Google Keep and did a voice recording on real quick. Heavy metal teacher, and it's still sitting there. I got I, I got it there, though, at least. Well, I wrote one about Eminem, so it's okay. Anything yeah. can happen. You did write. Yeah. I love that one. <laughs> well, I love that one. And I may way. have a personal business card that goes with your heavy metal. I will show it to you yeah. sometime. Well, <laughs> that and uh, you also got that buddy that um, designed the album cover for No Effects Liberal Animation. That's true. I know some guys. So, I know a guy. Yeah, I go to the record store right before I leave Las Vegas. I'm unpacking. He's helping me unpack. And I go, hey, go check this album out. He goes, oh, my buddy drew that. Yeah. I know a guy. I know yeah. a few guys. Yeah. Right. So, 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 what do you think? I think I know Kyle does video blog, and I put video on my blog. What do you think about that platform, Stacy? For, um, for have you ever thought about doing it? Is it something you're interested in? Uh, probably not video, but um, I have gone as far as buying one of these fancy microphones that you guys have right here um, with this idea of a podcast, and that's as far as that idea has gotten. Um, the box arrived. It was really cool looking, and that's 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 it. Super high tech. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, too. this thing is really neat, and then that's about as far as I've gone. But um, I mean, I love the idea of just having conversation because sometimes okay. I think the hesitancy in a lot of teachers or, you know, people that I talked to about writing is the writing. Right. It's not that they don't have the story to tell or they won't tell you the story, but they get really scared of putting words to paper maybe because of, you know, the wordsmithing or the spelling right. or like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a good writer or whatever. So I've been thinking that's probably my next foray, but I just haven't gotten there yet. Video, I don't know. That, that's got to be step three. I got to start small. <laughs> well, and I mean, we're all professionals here. I mean, there's nothing that is stopping anybody from the fear of saying, I'm not a good writer, mm -hmm. whereas if I feel self-conscious about a piece, I could always pass on, hey, what do you think about this? Right. Or, or Stacy, could you look this over and give me some suggestions or something? It's no different than if eventually you want to write a book, right. which right. I do have the interest in that eventually. i got to find time for that, which right. um, you're talking about a nice shiny mic in a box you have done. <laughs> I've been talking for three years about starting this book, and I, I haven't written anything down yet. I, I have the concept down, but that's about it. So, mm -hmm. Interesting. But, um, you know, and then the same thing, Ben and I, we sat on a podcast that we wanted to do for a couple of oh, years, yeah, and sure. then the idea for this one came about, I was in the shower one morning, it popped in my head, I text him, and, and Ben is notorious for, you text him, and then it might be a couple of hours, mm -hmm. that was within five minutes at yes, like six in true. the morning, dude, we're in, let's do <laughs> this, so. I now, happened to have my phone at that exact you, moment. You did, so. <laughs> now, did you ever do blogging with students when you were in the classroom still? Um, I wouldn't say formal blogging, but I mean, we did a lot of online communication, like I guess the kind of uh, basic form of it, like, uh, you know, conversation threads and stuff like that. I mean, back in the Edmodo days, oh, um, yes. yeah, Edmodo. I used, or I taught 11th and 12th grade. So we had a lot of online discussions, which I always thought was good because the introverts came out of the woodwork, you know, they'd write the great American novel about something and never, never say a word in class. So I tried to use as much, um, kind of like digital communication as I could, especially, on a block schedule in a high school with 18 year olds, you know, right. they, they, they like to kind of work at their own pace and their own time. So, you know, I'd say those probably could have been blogs, but we never did like a formal blogging okay. site. However, I did write, um, 
one piece for um, this woman named Amy who runs a site called Sharing Our Notebooks. And I asked three of my students to share their own notebooks because they were creative writers. And the three of us, or the four of us, wrote this piece together. So if you look it up, you'll see like pictures of their writing and pictures of their notebooks. And we left their names out of it and stuff. But, you know, it's just all about the writing process and how we would use like freehand or um, stream of consciousness writing, like you said, to kind of get the, the process started. Um, so it was a collaborative effort between me and some students. We'll make sure we'll get that link from you and stick yeah. that in the show right. notes. That's an old people piece. Take a look at. So that sounds really interesting. So, um, but we're all seasoned uh, bloggers here. But if we had any sort of advice out there on why we do it and what's beneficial about it, I'd like to just go around and each of us just kind of share our thoughts on why others should get into the whole blogging idea as well. So Stacy, if you'd like to go first. Yeah, very timely because I just gave a presentation last Saturday on this topic. So I am ready. Um, Basically, I just feel that, you know, people in the education space are the ones closest to the work and, you know, we're in the schools or we're with the kids or, you know, whatever capacity you work in. And like I said earlier, like the stories that are getting told about education are usually the really icky ones and the everyday like small victories are not getting shared. And I think it kind of is the fault of, you know, our schooling. Even we go to school and, you know, we don't have PR skills and networking skills and we're not told to brand ourselves and share our stories. We're supposed to shut the door and teach math or, you know, whatever it is. And I think the tide is just turning. It's time to tell the really positive stories and share the real truth. And sometimes it's the ugly truth, but, you know, the real truth of what happens in the classroom. So I just feel like saying I'm not a writer or I can't do that or I don't have a story to tell is really you know, an excuse at this point, because either we have to grab the reins of the narrative or be happy with what we hear. I don't think any teacher or any educator is out there going, yes, please, let's hear more stories about, you know, lockdowns and school shootings and, you know, all of that. We want to hear about kids doing amazing things and teachers doing amazing things and schools doing amazing things. And we have to be the ones to tell the story. I, I think you're exactly right. We, if we don't tell our story it gets told for us exactly and so i think that's that i think that is probably the greatest advice i mean i would tell people don't be afraid just post it and, and you know what you're right i think you talked about this before maybe two people read it maybe 200 people read it it doesn't just put it out there get it out there and um don't stress about it that would be my advice just mm -hmm. just post it be excited yeah, and, and for me to me it's a form of therapy even so, I mean, I, I get stuff down on paper, quote unquote, air quotes I'm throwing up right yeah. now. Um, and it's just, it, it's just a form of therapy for me. Right. Just getting, getting that out there. It's like, you know, they always talk about like how you'll feel better if you talk about it. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is for me. It's just go, it's in word form instead. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it too. But, um, Joe Marquez and I, um, on my other podcast, Sons of Technology, we were talking about this too, about just building that brand for yourself where there's there's all these people out there that like are just like they're the celebrities of education mm -hmm. right. where like you know you get excited like if you ran into like say your uh, Scarlett Johansson's and your uh, Bradley Cooper's <laughs> on the street you know I mean we get excited when we meet oh, yeah. some of those Twitter rock stars yeah. Oh, yeah. at conferences and whatnot <laughs> I mean and those people we were talking about in our presentation a few weeks ago at Tech Rodeo in Rosie, California that those people did like they weren't just born those celebrities like that they worked really hard i mean right. matt miller is a great example where he was a spanish teacher that lived off the textbook he decided to start doing some stuff started writing a blog and then eventually a book and now this guy is getting paid you know thousands of dollars to travel the country and talk about that mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that's a goal it should be a goal for everybody but everybody out there in education has a story 
and it's valuable and they should be sharing it and blogging is just a great way to get that story out there now again it could be two people read that but if one of those two people gets some value out of it For then sure. it's worthwhile or it may blow up to where you've got a hundred thousand people subscribed you get a multi you know yeah, book, get a deal. book deal you get a book deal from a publishing company and you're doing the conference circuit i mean it right. could go either way either way you're providing value to somebody and that's what we're all capable of providing that value and i think we should do that i would totally agree <laughs> So, well, outstanding. So I know we all have busy schedules yep. and we have places that we need to be very soon. And you got a big day with yeah. the legislature <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. So, I mean, Ben and I have important things to do tomorrow, but I think yours is probably going to trump ours because yep. you're going into hopefully shape some policy for yeah. our future for the next two yeah, years. field trip with adults. It's going to be awesome. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just keep it between the lines when you're driving out there. Yeah. The snow there. So if you can see the lines in the snow. So, well, Stacy, we appreciate you being able to make this arrangement, right. um, coming to our home here. So, you yeah. know, hopefully maybe we can see you more right. often here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and definitely thanks for coming up. And, and thanks to Tom at uh, Seven Troughs Speakeasy. If you're in Reno, you've got to check this place out. It's, it's awesome. He does, some, he does great work with many different spirits that and um i did not get a chance to have any food but uh the food menu yeah. looks absolutely amazing so um and it's right downtown in reno right off the river so just a really nice place come come summertime this is probably gonna be a oh, yeah. regular stomping it's ground for us for here, sure so. so all right so well thank you again for coming out um and we'll make sure that we put all your contact info in the show notes and uh follow this lady she's got some great things to say so all right. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Want to keep the conversation going and share some of your thoughts on today's topics? Email us at beeredupodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us using hashtag beeredupod. Hit us up on Facebook and be sure to follow Stacy on Twitter. You can also send us a voice message using the Anchor app or our Google voice number, 775-298-6672. Would you like to be a guest on the Beer EDU podcast? Visit our website, bit.ly slash beeredupodcast, click on the contact and subscription info link, and complete our guest form. All right, Kyle, we're back. Yes, Man. indeed. What a great conversation with Stacy. Awesome, awesome conversation. Yeah, that conversation, we could have gone for a lot longer, but yes. um, you know, she, she had some very important things to take care of the next day in Carson City, so she definitely needed a good night's sleep, but uh, I definitely look forward to carrying on that conversation again someday soon. Yeah, I think I think she is definitely someone, um, her blog is amazing. Uh, if you're not following it, you need to check it out. Check it out in the show notes. Um, follow her on Twitter. She's... Um, Always got some good stuff. She's doing a ton of work down um, in Vegas with uh, promoting education. I know um, working with, at one point, the um, Department of Ed at a national level. And I know working, I think working with our Nevada department also. Yes, I, I, I honestly believe that she's cloned herself because of all the stuff that she's doing. <laughs> so, yeah, she's doing some Very great true. stuff. So, and, uh, you know, <laughs> just follow her read her blog yeah. you you will be better for it for sure for sure so now it's the part where we need to learn about some beer yes indeed so um and i believe that this style that we're going to focus on today is one of probably our favorites the, the yeah. two of us 
Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. There's a particular one we're going to talk about that is one of my go-tos. Um, but first of all, we're going to talk about what is an imperial stout. So this really is if a stout is stronger, it's a it's a stronger version of a porter. Then it's an imperial stout, um, and it's a it's a much stronger version of a stout, really. So if a stout's stronger than a porter, this one is the strongest of the stouts. I guess is how I would describe it. And uh, it looks like it's it's about it's often over ten percent alcohol by volume. So so they're pretty strong. Um, they're they're very malt forward. Um, they use a lot of of those flavors like chocolate, um, coffee, those dark fruits like blackberries, and they're um, they can be pretty boozy because of that high alcohol content. Yes, absolutely. So and I mean. When you talk about the chocolate and the coffee, they and a lot of times they actually just get those flavors from the malt themselves. I mean, there are True. versions of the Imperial Stouts where they'll add chocolate, they'll add coffee, and even some uh, right. dark fruits and whatnot. But, I mean, that's actually getting picked up a lot of times from that malt. So uh, mm -hmm. they sometimes have even a higher ABV where Stouts and Porters, typically there's not a lot of hop addition to them or – um, and they don't have a real high ABV, but sometimes these ones will get a higher AB or IBU because they want to try to balance out that ABV a little bit more. So now a little history about the Imperial Stout. Peter the Great, that was the leader of Russia back in the 1700s, allegedly he visited England. And while he was in England, because England has a very rich history in beer, he tasted his first porter. So obviously as leader of Russia and has a lot of influence, he decides he wants to have that imported into Russia because he doesn't think that they can create that beer back in his homeland. So what was happening was the porters and the stouts that were getting shipped to Russia, by the time they got there, they were no good. They were spoiling on that trip. Much like the IPAs that they had to create in order to get pale ales to India, where they had to, what they ended up having to do was amp up the ABV and the IBUs so they could survive that long trip to Russia. So sometimes what you'll see then is sometimes you'll see a bottle that's called an Imperial Stout. Sometimes you'll see one called a Russian Imperial Stout. So this is a term that a lot of times is used interchangeably to describe one of these stronger in ABV stouts. Now, I know I've listed a few of my favorites here, and I'm sure you may have some of your favorites as well, but um, the first one I can ever remember having years ago was Narwhal by Sierra Nevada. And, yeah, and that's, that's still a just a solid, solid Imperial yes. Stout. Another one I remember very fondly from a long time ago, um, North Coast Brewing, which is up in Fort Bragg, California. They make one called mm -hmm. Old Rasputin, um, and that one is that actually is listed. That one's yeah, actually that listed is my as Russian. Yeah, oh, that's your go-to one. That's my go-to. That is, I will buy that every time if I am looking for an Imperial. That's my number one. Yes, that one's, that's a phenomenal Imperial Stout. So Founders in Grand Rapids, Michigan, they have several versions of the same Imperial Stout. Their original is the Breakfast Stout, which is, they infuse coffee, chocolate, and oatmeal into it. And it used to be where it only came out once a year and it came in four packs and it's like almost 20 bucks for a four pack, but worth every penny. Then they have the Kentucky breakfast stout or KBS where they age it in a bourbon barrel. 
the original breakfast stout. And then the one that we featured on a recent episode that you were having, it was the Canadian breakfast stout, which is the original breakfast stout aged in a bourbon barrel and also aged in an old maple syrup barrel. Oh, yeah. And it's super good. Super tasty. Yes. And then one of my favorite breweries of all time, Tanea Creek, from my years of living in Las Vegas, they have an imperial stout that is really good. And when I was down in Las Vegas a few weeks ago, they actually had a barrel-aged version of it. Mm. That was really good. Mm. And then a friend of mine, uh, Steve Savage, he actually when they first released it, he bought a bottle of it, saved it for me. And then I brought him some Reno beer and he presented me with that one. And so now I have this bottle here, which I think I'm going to hold on to it for a little while, but at the same time, maybe I want to share the bottle with you. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to see. We might have to have a a stout an, an imperial stout tasting episode. That does not sound like a terrible idea at all. There we go. So so cool, man. So that those are Imperial Stouts. Yes, yes, indeed. So, um, so that's get we're getting real close here to wrapping up. But um, we do want to mention that uh, we have something very special after the credits at the end of the episode here. So yes. we have if you stick around, there's going to be a few extra minutes on the episode of something very very special. So um, if you are so inclined, stick around after the end credit music and uh, check out our little gift to you here at the end. Yeah, for sure. We got an Easter egg. So hey, our Hey, Kyle, our next episode is lucky episode 13. Number 13. So, uh, you know, I mean, I would love to have been higher at this point of where we're at. But um, at the same time, you know what? The fact that we've made it this far without giving up on it, though, too. You know, I'm very happy where we're at, too. So, yes, number 13 coming up at you very, very soon. Yeah, be sure to look for it soon and, and make sure, you know. Listen to this one. Give us some feedback. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love uh, to have you as a guest if you're interested. Um, but, yeah, for sure, give us some feedback. Yes, and tell a friend. Have them listen. Have them subscribe. And Subscribe. I, we are in iTunes, and I know that if you give a review in iTunes, that posts it up onto their boards to where more people can find it as well. And uh, like my good friend Brent Coley says, it's not about ego. It's just about if somebody's interested in what we maybe have to say, it's about getting it out there for them. Yep, for sure, for sure. All right, so until next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on. Hey there, thanks for sticking around after our main show. Uh, Ben and I have something very special to present to you. This is a conversation that took place over Voxer between Ryan O'Donnell, who is at Creative Ed Tech on Twitter, and our recent guest, Christina Mattis. And it was a few days after our episode with Christina, where we talked about stirring the pot with some different things and talking about some controversial things. And a really great conversation came out between the two of them over Voxer. And we wanted to give you a sample of what some of that conversation was about. So um, in the beginning, it it kind of picks up in the middle of the conversation. So you may seem like you're missing a few things there, but really all you're missing is just a little bit of banter back and forth between the two. And then it goes into Ryan giving us a little bit of grief about our choices of beer. So Ryan, I know you're listening. So you, you're, 
choice in beer, while I may not agree with it, I will defend to the death your right to drink said beer and have said opinions. So, but, um, and you never know, we may have an episode later on where we address North American adjunct lagers that you are so fond of. So, um, so stick around. It's a little bit of the conversation that Ryan and Christina had. So we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, one has nothing to do with you. Uh, is I've, I've, I've given Kyle a hard time about this, but I'm going to give you the negative first. And it is you pretentious beer snobs with your Pliny the, I don't know, quadruple IPA, and you think you're stuff. You're a fad. We're going to talk about you guys in years to come and remember back in the day when you would line up around the building. When folks, beer's beer. Enjoy it. Get yourself a nice Michelob, a Miller Lite, a Coors Light. I think they said it best in the 1970s. It tastes great. It's less filling. And so that's my negative piece on it. So I was sorry. I'm just giving you a hard time. Hoping to think too much about it, Christina. But on the positive, the real reason I wanted to be able to kind of jump in on here was the, um, God, I can't emphasize enough, Christina, with the, to, to just, I'm sitting here shouting at the radio kind of a thing, the same, uh, what you were talking about, you guys, with the, uh, the homework shit. God, I think it, it, there is, there's a, there's, there's a certain amount of maturity and growth that comes with um, having children and living through you and also your friends. Like, you know, we, we all have, you know, friends who have their kids go through education and they, and they often want to share their stories with you. And you hear these horror stories of, of that revolve around homework and homework is just this thing that I think we really need to address. I want to go back and apologize to all the hundreds and hundreds of kids that I assigned AP history to of just killing them killing them with dumbass homework for no real apparent reason like you said there's not this research that we've been asking for that that demonstrates and shows that yeah homework is indicative of uh of increased uh academic success you know kids are are successful because they work not necessarily because of the homework that we assign to them and so it's a challenge you know and i think for me a lot of it was i just wanted the kids more than anything else to read so here's the big conundrum. Uh, how can I say I need to get the kids to read, but I don't want to just assign homework, you know? And that's the ch- and that was a huge challenge that I struggled with for so long. And I see uh, younger, uh, oftentimes younger teachers, uh, who um, who don't understand and they're just they're, they're stuck in tr- the, the mode of trying to be able to just succeed. And you know, I see older teachers too who are just kind of also doing that. That's the way we did. And so I don't know if it's an ageism. I don't sound ageist a little bit, but I think there's a sweet spot of, you know, you teach for 15 to 25 years. Is cut you got a lot, and once you sort of get beyond that, anyway, I'm just rambling a bit, but um, I got a lot more thoughts too. I'm just about listening to you guys talk about the Pledge of Allegiance, and I got some thoughts on that too. The question that I was asked when I was still teaching in the classroom, parents were asking me, how much homework should we expect per night? And my response was, homework is going to be inconsistent. It's usually dependent on if your student does not finish something in class. And that really threw them off, that I wasn't assigning consistent homework deliberately like oh you need five minutes of spelling you need 20 minutes of reading you need whatever it is right it really threw them off and i'm also reflecting back on the documentary 
um, high tech high down in San Diego when there was one family in particular that noted it was a complete shift in how they had to then approach, they, the family, that the parents had to approach education for their students because their students were learning in a different way. So that's something that we need to address as well is not only shifting the mindset of administrators and shifting the mindset of teachers, but it's shifting the mindset of families that it's okay to not have homework per se, the, the typical stereotypical standard homework. But in terms of the whole reading thing, there are some really creative ways to bring in reading, if you will. And I think we have to break down the, this neg this not, it's not a negative connotation, but this misconception of what reading is. Reading does not necessarily mean you have to sit down with a book, a novel, right? You can read an autobiography or a biography. You can read a graphic novel. Sit down and read a magazine or read an almanac, anything that has words in it. Sit down and read it. And I think we also need to engage the families in that reading. So how can families read together? It's not just students that we want reading. How can we bring this as like a community event, a communal thing? Um, like could there be a school book club or book read where grade two reads this book and the parents read it and then everybody comes together like once a month or something like that over you know tea and cookies or whatever i don't know like we can make that happen um where it's not you know where it's not set as oh reading is homework because if you if you address it as it's a chore then it's going to be looked at as a chore so how can we make it not a chore the world that i live in is i live in a uh pretty affluent neighborhood, hyper, very high performing school, public school, um, off the chart issues with social and emotional uh, issues with our kids. We've had way more than the national average of suicides and deaths and overdose has just been, it's struggling. And we ask, we're trying to be able to address it. We're doing all these different sort of things. And, you know, time and time again, when we ask our kids, you know, like what's the issues and they talk about their, their stresses in life and their stresses, I think you guys all know what those are, right? They are, um, uh, issues with friends that our technology has um, um, uh, been a conduit towards making um, yeah, friendship issues much more public and much more um, grandiose. So we have a lot of that. Uh, hands down, number one thing that kids say is their number one stressor is homework. Kids talk about that their lives are just are, are crushed by homework. And then on top of that, the kids who are, mo are most challenged are the kids who are the ones who are pushing themselves more than anything else. So you find yourself, I have my, my two kids and they're not super high performers, but they're my, my two children are, are strong students. They are uh, not valedictorians. Uh, they have taken, uh, my older one took three AP classes, uh, didn't only did only passed one of them. Um, uh, so they do well, they're hard workers, they'll do the homework that's given to them. And they just, we find ourselves like so many other parents and my friends in the community that they're, they're just getting just shoved in their face, just crap tons of homework 
um, because that's what we think we need to be able to do. Meanwhile, we're at home and I'm, I'm doing the opposite of education. I'm telling my kids, don't do the homework, don't do it. All those other things, our family dynamics and all those other things that you, you mentioned, Christina, are just won't, uh, don't flourish. And I think that we're, we're not getting as well-rounded of, uh, of, of, of the folks that we could be getting. You know, as a product of the 70s and 80s, you know, some of the greatest memories, and I think learning as well, too, was just experiences with friends and outside and collaborating and making and doing and all that sort of stuff that none of that really had to be entailed with the actual uh, academics um, and the rigors of school itself. So, yeah, it's a bit of an issue. Hello again. This is Kyle. If you stuck around to the end after that conversation, first of all, thank you for sticking around. It was a great conversation between Christina Madison, Ryan O'Donnell that I did not jump into until late and I did not contribute much to that conversation. But this was an example of something that Ben and I both love to hear. We love to hear the dialogue after episodes. So if you ever want to have something like this featured on the episode or just contribute to a conversation that we could have on Voxer, on Google Voice, on Twitter, whatever it may be, please shoot us a message and uh, we would love to uh, chat further about our topics on the podcast, and then maybe even feature them in a future episode. So thank you again for listening, and we look forward to you listening to our next episode. Have a great day.